Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Well, the contours of the conspiracy are becoming clearer. We got a lot to talk about on the program today. In our first hour, I want to get into this January 6th conspiracy. It was clearly a coup attempt. It was clearly, as a member of Congress said this morning, treason. And the hypocrisy of Fox so-called news, the people who were claiming it was Antifa, as the same time that they were hysterically texting Mark Meadows. We'll get to that saying, please call off, you know, please ask Mr. Trump to call off the, right. And isn't it the ultimate hypocrisy for Mark Meadows to start grifting on his treason so quickly? But let's just jump into this, what, you know, what we're learning as a result of this January 6th committee and the work that they're doing about actually what happened. First of all, uh, we've got this PowerPoint presentation, you know, how to commit treason, how to overthrow a country. How to, how to stage a coup. Another member of Congress, by the way, this, this morning, uh, he kind of stumbled around it, but he was saying something, there's an old saying about coups and uh, if, uh, an unsuccessful coup. And what he was trying to say was, what do they call an unsuccessful coup? Practice. That was what he was trying to say. I was listening to it going, yeah. But anyhow, there's this 38-page PowerPoint out there that came out uh, came out of the committee this this week I believe or maybe late last week as a result of um, in fact it was late last week as a result of Mark Meadows turning over a bunch of uh, some eight thousand documents to the January sixth treason committee and it it is being characterized and and Judd Legum did a really great job of this over at Popular.info this morning it's being characterized by multiple news sources you know on mainstream uh, corporate media as wild and crazy, I mean, literally using those words, uh, extreme, um, uh, doubting whether it was even seriously considered. Well, here are the, the uh, five bullet points that were at the top of this, of this uh, uh, PowerPoint. Number one, brief senators and congressmen on foreign interference. Number two, declare national security emergency. Number three, uh, foreign influence and control of electronic voting systems. Number four, declare electronic voting in all states invalid. And number five, legal and genuine paper ballots are constitutional remedy delegated to Congress. In other words, throw the election to the House of Representatives and let the Republicans uh, choose Trump as the president. So let's just go through those five things, because this is what was in the PowerPoint presentation that the media would have you think was just some wild thing that somebody cooked up and nobody was taking serious in the White House. So the first point was declare a Nash, or excuse me, the first point was brief senators and congressmen on foreign interference. That actually happened. Congressman Waldron told the Washington Post that he briefed Ron Johnson, Senator, you know, Senator Ron Johnson from Wisconsin and Senator Lindsey Graham from South Carolina and other members of Congress who he refused to identify on the fact, on the possibility, the fact, on, on the uh, president, uh, on President Trump's belief that foreign governments had meddled in our elections. Isn't this ironic in 2020? He's saying this after what happened in 2016. 
Anyhow, the foreign governments had meddled in our election and therefore uh, the Biden victory should be considered illegitimate. So that actually happened, the first thing in the PowerPoint presentation. They actually did the briefing. The second point in the PowerPoint presentation, the, the, the Mark Meadows treason PowerPoint, declare national security emergency. Well, Trump never actually pulled the plug or the switch on a national security emergency. He really didn't have an opportunity to. The time to do that would have been if Mike Pence stood up and said, I am rejecting the Electoral College ballots from Pennsylvania, Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin. You know, if he, if he just listed a half a, half a dozen states, the, the so-called swing states, and Georgia, and said, uh, I'm rejecting these ballots because of voter fraud, and I am going to throw the election into the House of Representatives where there are 30 congressional delegations controlled by Republicans out of, out of the 50, and uh, surprise, surprise, the election would have been given to Trump. Which is, as I've been pointing out since I published a piece about this in March a year ago, almost two years ago, in March of 2020, I laid out, this is exactly what happened in, not exactly, very close to what happened in 1876 in that Tilden Hayes election, where Tilden got the majority of the popular vote and Tilden got the majority of the Electoral College vote, but because there were four states who submitted dueling slates of electors, they, they, selected, they submitted electors for both Tilden and Hayes because they were messing with the election. These were states that were controlled, in the, the three southern states were still controlled by Confederates, by and large. Uh, the Union Army was there, but they were unhappy about it. And the fourth state was Oregon, which was controlled by the Ku Klux Klan which was sympathetic to the Confederacy, so we say. And, you know, as I point out, this is, so that would have been the point. When Mike Pence gets up there and says, I'm throwing this to the House of Representatives, that would have been the point at which the president would have declared a national emergency and mobilized the National Guard all across the United States and said, okay, if people pour out into the streets, we're going to start shooting them. Now, he clearly was setting this up. Keep in mind, this is point number two on the PowerPoint presentation. He said, this is, uh, you know, this, this is his January 6th speech. We won. We won in a landslide. That was a landslide. They say it's not American to challenge an election. This is the most corrupt election in history, maybe in the world. In fact, it's so egregious, it's so bad that a lot of people don't even believe it. It's so crazy they don't believe it. This is not just a matter of domestic politics. This is a matter of, of national security, said Trump. He's tweaking this. He's getting it ready, right? He's laying the groundwork. He had similarly called on the governor of Georgia in a tweet saying, why won't Governor Brian Kemp of Georgia, the hapless governor of Georgia, use his emergency powers, which can be easily done to overrule his obstinate secretary of state, blah de blah Use your emergency powers. Declare a state of emergency. That was number two on the PowerPoint presentation. He was clearly getting that ready. Number three on the PowerPoint presentation, foreign influence and control of electronic voting systems. On November 29th, 2020, on Fox Business, Trump said, quote, votes recorded on Dominion voting machines are counted in foreign countries. He repeated that same claim, Judd Legum writes over at Popular.info, on December 2nd, 2020. On December 22nd, Trump promoted a tweet on his uh, Twitter feed encouraging Pence to reject the electors certified by the Electoral College because of China, Russia, and Iran. So it's all right there, right? This is, this is point number three. Point number four of the PowerPoint. Declare electronic voting in all states invalid, genuine, and legal paper ballots. In a speech to our troops, for God's sake, on November 26, 2020, Thanksgiving, Donald Trump said to the troops, quote, those machines are fixed. They're rigged. You can press Trump and the vote goes to Biden. All they have to do is play with a chip and it's shown all the time. All you have to do is play with a chip and they played with the chip, especially in Wayne County and Detroit. In Philadelphia, you take a look. So he's following the PowerPoint to a T here perfectly. On December 2nd, 2020, he said its name is Dominion with a turn of a dial. With a change of a chip, you can press a button for Trump and the vote goes to Biden. That was in a national speech. 
And then, of course, the other key slide in the PowerPoint presentation was options for January 6th. Vice President Pence seats Republican electors over the objections of Democrats in the states where the fraud occurred. Number one. Number two, Vice President Pence rejects the electors from states where fraud occurred, causing the election to be decided by remaining electoral votes. And number three, Vice President Pence delays the decision in order to allow for a vetting and subsequent counting of all the legal paper ballots. This is where Pence blew it up. And Trump knew this was coming and he was trying to stop it. This is what he said in his January 6th speech. Again, perfectly following the script of the PowerPoint, the treason PowerPoint, how to do a coup presentation that Mark Meadows turned over to Congress. This is from January 6th, Trump's speech. Quote, because if Mike Pence does the right thing, we win the election. All he has to do, this is the, from the number one, or certainly one of the top constitutional lawyers in our country. He has the absolute right to do it. I just spoke to Mike. I said, Mike, that doesn't take courage. What takes courage is to do nothing. That takes courage. In other words, to refuse to count the ballots, the Electoral College ballots. And then Trump goes on to say, and then we're stuck with a president who lost the election by a lot. We have to live for that, with that for four more years. We're just not going to let that happen. In other words, Trump is saying to his assembled mob, we've got to stop Mike Pence. Did you guys bring the gallows? Well, it turns out they did. Are you going to go hang Mike Pence? I mean, he didn't literally say these things, but this, this is the essence of it. Are you going to go hang Meg Pence? Oh, yeah, sure, we're on, we're on our way. And sure enough, they did. And I'm telling you, it gets even weirder than that. So we're, we're finding sort of what's happened in the White House. This is the big thing that they want Meadows to test. What was, the, what was Trump doing? What was Trump saying for this three, three plus hours that the, that the Capitol was under assault? We know what happened in the Capitol building. That's pretty clear. What we don't know has happened is what happened in the Pentagon. Why was the National Guard delayed? And I'll get to that right after the break. I mean, this is just bizarre, but it is becoming quite clear that this was, as a member of Congress said this morning, Ed Perlmutter, he said it's treason. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And I agree with Congressman Perlmutter, it was treason. George in Santee, California. Hey, George, what's on your mind today? Thanks for watching Free Speech. Thank you, Tom. I just had a question, like, why didn't the Capitol Police use their guns to defend the Capitol that day? Well, one of them did and shot that woman that Donald Trump tried to turn into, you know, Joan of Arc. But I think, generally speaking, the Capitol Police showed admirable restraint. They didn't want to kill anybody. I mean... Well, I agree with that, but as it turns out, the Capitol wasn't defended very well that day. Right. Well, the, in part, that was because there was thousands of Trump supporters and there was hundreds of cops. And yeah. those kind of numbers just don't work out well. And, and also we heard, if you recall, when, when they uh, were doing the congressional hearing and they had the three or maybe it was four Capitol Police in talking about it. And somebody asked them about this. And I think it was uh, Officer Fanon, the guy who got you know tased in the neck and had a heart attack. He said he was afraid that if he, if he took his gun out, that he would be swarmed, they would take his gun away from him, and they would kill him with it. So, yeah. you know, that was yeah. probably a concern of all of, of all of the Capitol Police. But good question, George. Thank you very much. David in Phoenix, Arizona. Hey, David, what's up? Yeah. Hey, Tom, uh, I just wanted to mention very briefly before I get to my main point is, and that is that uh, no one mentioned last week uh, about Bob Dole, not even Mitch O'Connell, who said that uh, Bob Dole was instrumental in passing the Americans for Disabilities Act, that in December 2012, Bob Dole appeared in his wheelchair before the Senate to try to persuade the senators to accept the idea that the U.N., wanted to use the American Disabilities Act as a, a way to promote this uh, worldwide. And disappointingly, the Republicans turned it down. And so Bob Dole then had to leave in his wheelchair. Uh, you know, I and, vaguely uh, remembered that. I didn't remember the details. Good on you. Thank you for that. Yeah, no one mentioned that at all. But my main point is that uh, I want to thank you for just easing my depression because of what you said last week about how people need to continue to listen and just and just 
keep hanging in there, and there's a chance that maybe we might come up with maybe a, a new progressive uh, way to save our democracy. And uh, I think it's uh, happening. Uh, I really do. Yeah. I think what and we're looking that, at, you know, the, yeah. is the last gasp of the oligarch or, or the autocracy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the reason why I think there's a lot of depression is that what really works is just talking about saving our democracy, and this is not really happening. I mean, I just think that it was kind of a mistake to, to work so hard on the Build Back Better thing, and especially to split it in two to give Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin a, saying that, hey, you know, if we just cooperate with the uh, Republicans, it's going to work, you know. Yeah, they lied. Uh, I, I think that was really a mistake. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, you should have, we should be just doing the HR you know, they're, they're one. They're taking the money from billion, they're taking money from billionaire oligarchs. Uh, you know, mansion and cinema, particularly yeah. cinema. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah, we it's know like, that. Surprise, surprise! You know that they start behaving like this. You know, disingenuously. David, thank you for the call. Uh, we'll continue <laughs> with what happened on January sixth, or at least what little we know about what happened on January sixth. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch. Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, so we've laid out, number one, that Trump was following this PowerPoint to a T. So what else was going on at that time? Well, this report that just came out of the January 6th committee, uh, this came out last uh, I believe it was Saturday or Sunday, um, says, quote, Mr. Meadows reportedly spoke with Kashep Patel. This is Kash Patel, who was then the chief of staff to former acting secretary of defense, Christopher Miller, quote, nonstop, end quote, throughout the day of January 6th. And among other things, Mr. Meadows apparently knows if and when Mr. Trump was engaged in discussions regarding the National Guard's response to the Capitol riot. Now, this is the, you know, the first part of this is how, how Trump tried to gin up and, and freak out his, his followers so that they would go try to hang Mike Pence and, and assassinate Nancy Pelosi and, and steal the election. And then he would declare a state of emergency. So we've got all that. But what was the Pentagon doing at this time? Well, it, it, this is the, the chief of staff to the Secretary of Defense. So the Secretary of Defense runs the Pentagon. The chief of staff is, is his gatekeeper. And he was talking to, to Mark Meadows, the gatekeeper for Donald Trump, continuously through January 6th. Cash Patel was the gatekeeper for Chris Miller, the Secretary of Defense. Chris Miller, who on January 4th wrote a letter to the D.C. National Guard saying that without my subsequent personal authorization, the D.C. National Guard is not authorized to be issued weapons, ammunition, bayonets, helmets, or ballistic protection equipment, is not authorized to interact physically with protesters, is not authorized to employ any riot control agents, in other words, no tear gas, is not authorized to share equipment with law enforcement agencies, in other words, the Capitol Police, is not authorized to use intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance assets, is not authorized to employ helicopters or other air assets, is not authorized to conduct searches, seizures, arrests, or other similar direct law enforcement activity, and is not authorized to seek support from any non-D.C. National Guard units in the country. This is, you'll recall, the governor of Maryland 
was desperately trying to get the Maryland National Guard to the Capitol. They were only five miles away. And the, and the Defense Department said no. Now, this is the area that we're just scratching the surface of. We do not yet know what was going on in the Pentagon. We do know that Michael Flynn's brother was on one of these phone calls where they were saying, no, we're not gonna send in the DC National Guard. And his brother is now a general in charge of the Pacific Fleet. I wanna know what the hell is going on here. The National Guard says they were held back by the army leaders. The Capitol Police Chief, Stephen Sund, began begging for help from the National Guard at 1.49 p.m. The Guard didn't deploy until 5.08 p.m. So my final rant on this is uh, about the grift. I, I find this just mind-boggling. Over on Fox News, at the same time that they're doing you know, live coverage of the Capitol assault and implying that it must be Antifa, you know, it's like, what's going on? Uh, Laura Ingram is texting Mark Meadows, Mark, the president needs to tell people in the Capitol to go home. This is hurting all of us. All of us? Oh, that's right. The Fox News hosts are advisors to Donald Trump, which is, like, mind-boggling, you know, when you think about it. Brian Kilmeade, please get him on TV, destroying everything you have accomplished. In other words, Trump and his mob are destroying everything. This is Brian Kilmeade, right? This is the, the Fox and Friends guy. Sean Hannity, can, can he make a statement? Ask people to leave the Capitol? So here you've got Fox News hosts who have spent, what, a year now? Trying to say, oh, you know, there was tourists. There was tourists. It was no big deal. Oh, and if anything bad happened, it was Antifa. Those same hosts are begging Mark Meadows to stop the president. And then you got Donald Trump Jr., for God's sake, saying he's got, he, tweeting to Mark Meadows, he's got to condemn this bleep ASAP. The Capitol Police tweet is not enough. Meadows replies, I'm pushing it hard, I agree. Trump Jr., we need an Oval Office address. He has to leave now. It's gone too far and gotten out of hand. Good Lord, number one, I didn't know that uh, Donald Trump had it in him, and uh, Jr. And number two, why didn't he text this to his father? Why is he trying to go through Mark Meadows? But, you know, the grift, right? This is the key to the whole thing. The whole, the entire Republican Party, basically since Reagan, has been a grift. And I think you can put a lot of this at the feet of the U.S. Supreme Court. That, that in 1976 and 1978, in the Buckley decision and the Bellotti decision, said, if you want to, in the Buckley decision, if an individual billionaire wants to own an individual politician... That's fine. That's no longer considered bribery. It's no longer considered corruption. It's now called free speech. Money is speech. And then two years later in 78 in the Bellotti decision, which was authored by, written by Lewis Powell himself, the Supreme Court said, oh, and by the way, corporations are people too. And if they want to own politicians, that's fine also. And the GOP said, cool, we are for sale. Now, the Democrats were already in bed with the unions, which is fine with me, frankly. The unions represent working people. The Democrats were heavily supported by the unions. It was their major source of support back then. But the Republicans, they were like, oh, hey, now we can grift and grift and grift. And they haven't stopped in 40 years. The entire party is one giant grift. And now you got Mark Meadows out there trying to grift on this thing, um, you know, selling his book. Right? Oh, yes, uh, let me tell you about my time, you know, the, the grifter-in-chief. And who was Meadows before this? He was the guy who was the co-founder of, or one of the founders of the so-called Freedom Caucus in the House of Representatives, what I refer to as the Cokehead Caucus, the ones who are basically, you know, in deep with all these organizations that have been set up through the Coke Network, this, this uh, you know, group of billionaires that uh, doesn't quite exist exactly like the Coke Network, but you understand what I'm saying. And, and... You know, they're taking all this money from these right-wing billionaires and FASA and petro-billionaires to, to just basically run a grift on the American people. I do think Americans are starting to wake up to this. This is what I talked about yesterday when I, when I said I think that we've got, you know, we're on the, one of the things that we're watching happen is a tidal wave of progressivism washing over the country. The old is getting calcified and being washed away. 
And people are realizing this is just a friggin' grift. The entire GOP, ever since 1981, has been running a grift on the American people. And so, of course, they would have a professional, lifelong grifter, Donald Trump, as president. Of course. Of course, the head of the Freedom Caucus, the biggest grift in Congress, would be, you know, the guy who is number two to Trump and leading uh, an effort to commit treason against the United States, as uh, Congressman Perlmutter said this morning, Ed Perlmutter. I was just amazed to see a member of Congress, you know, played live on CNN saying treason. I guess I shouldn't have been amazed, but I, I, I was gratified, shall we say. So anyway, picking up your phone calls, Mike in Auburndale, Florida. Hey, Mike, what's on your mind today? Hey, how's it going, Tom? Good. What's up? So Donald Trump, knowing the power of media and knowing the power of language, his entire administration, he knows the power of, I believe it was King Henry V or the sixth famous line, will no one rid me of this meddlesome priest. Right. That's out of Shakespeare. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think it's from Henry V. Yeah, Henry V. So, and, you know, no, he doesn't necessarily specifically issue orders. He wishes things would happen. Are you talking about the effort to kill Mike Pence on January 6th? Trying to think of some of the other examples. At his rallies. Oh, yeah. Although at some rallies, he did tell them, go beat these people up. There were other times where he didn't quite say it so explicitly. Oh, he said he can cover their legal fees. I mean, it doesn't get more explicit than that. But, yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Mike. And and this is what what, uh, Michael Cohen said Trump does, is that he kind of talks in code um, so that, you know, his words can't be used against him. I do think, though, that he has gone way too far. I really do. Mike, thanks a lot for the call. Jessica in Chicago. Hey, Jessica, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. You are the best. What Thank an you. amazing show. Yes, it was the Flynn brothers. Michael Flynn indoctrinated these um, Trump's little army. He had an uh, ad on Facebook, come be a part of history. And another phrase he loved was, where we go up one, we go all. Which is and the he, QAnon slogan. So the come, come be a part of history was inviting people to the January 6th uh, treason attempt, the coup? Yes, they were saying they wanted a civil war. Right. And then his brother, yes, he is in so deep. His brother at the Pentagon, he knew not to send anybody for there to help. Yep. He told everyone to stand down. And there was even, um, he stopped National Guards from all the other states around, too. Yep. See, here's what I think Trump thought might happen. I think that he thought, and, and one of the things we really need to find out is that, you know, there was clearly some, some leadership in this coup attempt uh, that apparently had to do with some of these uh, white supremacist groups. And, uh, you know, somebody set up that gallows outside the Capitol building. And I think that Trump thought that if Pence wouldn't do what he was supposed to do, the mob would kill Pence. Trump would then declare a national state of emergency, and that would not be inappropriate, by the way. It'd probably even get support from Democrats for that. And then he would use that, that state of national security to uh, flip the election into the House of Representatives and, and, and basically turn the United States into Hungary uh, or into Russia or into, you know, whatever. I mean, into an autocratic state. And, you know, that that's what he was all about. I, I'm absolutely convinced that he, he was totally down with, uh, you know, you're going to kill Mike Pence? Sure, let's let's do that. Jessica, thank you for the call. Malcolm in Bluebell, Pennsylvania. Hey, Malcolm, what's on your mind today? Good afternoon, Tom. I just have one statement for you. I think we're giving the Capitol Police a little bit too much credit, and I would just like to know who told the officers to stand down and not use their service revolvers on that day. As we know, um, the Pentagon National Guard were told to stand down, and I'm just under the belief that someone ordered them not to use them because they were more than justified if they did pull the trigger. And um, Morning Joe did a a good rant on January 7th about his experiences just walking to the Capitol where he was nearly arrested for jaywalking. But on January 6th, Capitol Police opened up the door post for selfies and other things. Yeah, there were clearly a few cops within the Capitol Police who were on the side of the so-called protesters. Um, you know, we know right. that, right? And then a couple of them have been identified. 
Um, whether I, I'm just trying to trying to imagine, you know, if I was surrounded by, you know, a couple of hundred people for every one of me, and I had a deadly weapon in my, you know, that I had access to in my holster, would I pull that out where I could be mobbed? I mean, I, I, and, I and again, I think Officer Fanon laid this out that he was concerned that somebody might be willing to die to get that revolver to hand it off to somebody else who would then kill him with it. I, I think right. that I, I, my, my take on it, Malcolm, is that, uh, yes, the National Guard was told to stand down. We have that memo from Chris Miller, the Secretary yeah. of Defense. And yes, uh, you know, the, the other National Guards and, and the Army were prevented from going in to help. Uh, you know, we've got that phone call that, that uh, Charles Flynn was on, uh, Mike Flynn's brother. But with regard to the individual uh, Capitol Police officers, you know, failing to shoot people, I, I'm not yet ready to, to condemn them for that. I, I think they were just in a state of absolute overwhelm. And, and then there's the question of when do you do it? Do you do it when they first breach the, the, the barriers? That's, that seems a little, you know, that's a little too quick, right, to kill somebody. Do you do it as they're breaking in through the doors? Well, they did shoot one person that way and kill her. But, you know, it didn't stop the crowd. The crowd just kept on coming. And at that point, you just say, you know, hey, it's time to run for the hills. Malcolm, I got to run, but thank you. I'm telling you, if this stuff doesn't all get laid out and laid out clearly, we're going to be having conversations about this 40 years from now, just like we talked about the Kennedy assassination. Dennis in Aptos, California. Hey, Dennis, what's up? Yeah, hi, uh, Tom. Really quickly, I would like to say that I think Chris Murphy needs to run for president in 2024, the Democratic uh, senator from uh, Connecticut. I just like him. But I really want to say this. Merrick Garland needs to get off his rear end and immediately indict Donald Trump, Mark Meadows, Mike Flynn for insurrection and sedition. And there's plenty of evidence. And somebody needs to be dragging Charles Flynn in front of a grand jury. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because he's in on it, too. Uh, it sure looks like, that, guys, like it to me. And somebody needs to put Chris Miller in front of a grand jury as well. Why did you write this yeah. memo instructing the National Guard not to help the Capitol Police? Why would you do yeah. that? You know, this thing was all planned. And, and, and um, you know, if it gets to the point where there is a trial, I'm sure there's going to be, uh, you know, Trump will be so layered up. And he'll probably have the lawyer saying, oh, he, he was just a, a bystander. He really didn't uh, plan it. It was all these other guys. So, obviously, you know, Meadows seems to be the, the number two. And so uh, Garland could just tell him. Uh, do you want to get out of prison when you're 75 years old? Because he's about 55 now. Uh, or do you want to tell us that Trump was the one who really wanted this all to happen? You know, rat him out. Yeah. And then you're only going to have to serve two years in prison. I don't know how long John. Well, that, that raises. I can't remember. Yeah, it's it's 20 years. Uh, oh, uh, or that was the sedition, but. But this raises an interesting question, Dennis, which is, are these guys who are claiming the fifth, you know, who are, who are going to assert the fifth, are they asking for immunity? Because one of the ways that a congressional committee or a grand jury can force somebody to testify is the person says, you know, I, I'm invoking my fifth amendment right to not incriminate myself. And so then you say, okay, we will give you, uh, you know, blanket immunity from prosecution around this topic if you just will testify. And at that point, there's no longer an, an, uh, a Fifth Amendment problem because you're no longer going to incriminate yourself in a way that could you know, hurt you. And, well, and that's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, it, it brings to mind that they know that there's a bunch of lower level minions who've already gone to the committee and, and, and have said well, and, and this is Meadows to Trump, right? Meadows was the was the number two guy to Trump. And if Meadows is granted immunity, he's the guy. And this is how, you know, when they do mafia investigations, this is, you know, this is everything they do, right? You start at the bottom and you work your way up and you keep granting immunity to people until finally the very, you know, the, 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 the domo, the major domo guy, the number two guy to the, to the mob boss, you grant him immunity and then he flips on the mob boss and then you, you know, you cut the head off the snake kind of thing, you know? And, yeah. and that would be Mark Meadows to Donald Trump. And so I'm wondering if this committee 
is uh, this whole dance that they're doing with Meadows and his lawyer and this committee is ultimately going to be around immunity to, to Meadows so that they can seriously go after Donald Trump with Meadows' uh, you know, first-person testimony because he was there in the room in the White House throughout this entire thing, apparently. Dennis, I got to run, but thanks for the call here on the Tom Hartman program. Speaking the truth, the multinational corporations and right-wing billionaires, we'd really rather you didn't know all about. We'll be right back. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. John in Center Ossipee, New Hampshire. Hey, John, what's on your mind today? Hey, how are you? Good. Tom, Good. having a great day. I'd actually like to kind of just speed off the last discussion that Dennis brought up. I mean, the FBI. Where is the FBI in this? Never well, mind Merrick Island. We don't know. The, the Justice Department has been kind of a black box around this. There, there yeah. is there is a grand jury apparently impaneled, but they are just keeping mum, which is typically what the what the DOJ does. But on yeah, the other no, hand, no, I understand that. But but if if they lie to the FBI, then I mean that's a crime. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And I, I I think that's where the immunity comes in. You know, that's, that's when they can offer the immunity factor. I, I just don't understand. Right. I mean, I understand Garland c controls the FBI, but to a point. I mean, it, it, yeah. I mean this is a crime. Well, Chris Ray is running the FBI, and Chris Ray was appointed by, drumroll, Donald Trump. So exactly. maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know, I, but, I, uh, I, you know, I absolutely I, think so. I, yeah, I, 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 think, do. I think something is rotten in Denmark. <laughs> I'd like to know more about it. But, uh, John, to the point of immunity, for people who just tuned in, I was talking with Dennis from Aptos, California, a moment ago, and I said, I think that there's a very real possibility that the goal of this committee, that they're, they're following this just the same way you prosecute a mob boss, because um, Donald Trump is a mob boss. Okay. I mean, you know, you go, you, you work your way up the organization, granting people immunity to testify so that they can't invoke their Fifth Amendment uh, right to, to not incriminate themselves because there's nothing to incriminate yourself if you've been given immunity. And then, and then you get to the person who is number two to the mob boss and you grant them immunity and get them to flip and then the mob boss gets taken out. You, you, you cut the head off the snake kind of thing. And, and Mark Meadows is that guy. He was the right-hand man of the mob boss, uh, you know, Don, Teflon Don here. And uh, that's what that's that's I, I think that there's a very real possibility. That's what's going on. John, thank you for the call. Larry in Los Angeles. Hey, Larry, what's up? Hi, I'm just wondering, when is our liberal biased media going to mislabel these communications of the Trump administration and just mis mislabel them as Donald Trump's emails? Because, <laughs> you know, that that thing about Hillary, like Hillary? Clinton, they were never Hillary Clinton's emails. It was it was Democratic Party communications between one another. And well, they, but our, our liberal biased media uh, turned it around and said that these are Hillary. It's because Donald Trump labeled it that it became Hillary Clinton's emails. And my Hillary Clinton can't seem to get away from her, her this email story. Well, we need to do that. Well, I know, I know it's not going to happen. But the liberal biased media needs to do that to Donald Trump. 
yeah. start calling all of this, these uh, communications that happened between Donald Trump and and, uh, and all the various uh, collaborators that were trying to take over our country, start calling them Donald Trump's emails. Yeah. And then let's, let's go ahead and, and Meadows, let's just call that the Meadows um, dossier. Oh, yeah. The Meadows dossier. He's giving us a ton of information. Well, it's and already been largely branded as the as the Meadows PowerPoint. I get what you're saying, Larry. I don't I don't think at this point that we need to brand anything because it's so obvious. I think that Ed Perlmutter this morning in the in the in the House Rules Committee, you know, he came right out and he said this is treason, and that. Oh, and well, I, I'm really surprised. I've got CNN running on a monitor here in the studio with me just to keep you know to see if there's any pop popping headlines or news. And uh, I have not seen that clip replayed. And I, I, I thought when Louise and I were sitting at, at home this morning watching that, and I was like, holy crap, he used the word treason. You know, in open Congress, this is going to be the piece that gets played on loop all day long, just like Howard Dean's scream, right? We're going to hear it 800 times in the, in the next five days. So far, I haven't heard it once. So I, I think that's the brand, though. I, I think the brand, we need to go beyond emails. This, the brand is treason. Because this is what's oh, I, going on. I agree. I agree. This is never going to happen because our liberal biased media does have that right wing swing to it. Yeah. So it's never going to happen. Yeah. But look at what they did to Hillary Clinton. Oh yeah. And, and, no, and, I, and, 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 and compare, compare what happened. What compare this information that uh, that's coming out about Donald Trump to the information that came out about the Democrats. Oh, I know. Just, I know. This just, this just demonstrates how it was all Sturm and Drang. It was all you know just noise and it was a grift. It was another damn grift. Larry, thank you for the call. Jose in Tampa, Florida. Hey, Jose, what's up? Hey, Tom, how are you? This is uh, Jose on Tampa, of course. The reason I called is because I believe that uh, Officer Pazone uh -huh. at the Capitol right. was uh, misguided in his in his belief that if he used his weapon, that it was going to be used with uh, against him. Because of the fact that if they would have just shot a few rounds up in the air, and they all got and they all got communication, so they could have uh, coordinated it and shot up in the air, even if they ruined a little bit of ceiling, they would have uh, the crowd would have retreated. I, I'm not sure that's true. And you had and we know now that there were people in that crowd who were armed, who were carrying weapons. I mean, serious well, weapons, those, you those, guns. Those and those get taken out. Yeah. I mean, that's, isn't that I don't what know. the police do? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm willing to cut the Capitol Police some slack on this. I, these guys put their life. 140 of them ended up in the hospital. You know, three of them, or maybe four of them, are dead now as a consequence of this. One of them had a heart because attack they, and didn't die because but, they were misguided. They believed that they were going to get shot with their own weapon. All they had to do is uh, release all the shells, if, and, and there will be no shells to shoot, yeah. shoot them with. I, I don't. You know, Jose, real life is so different than the movies. Um, it could be. I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to uh, completely you know, draw a line in the sand. Time, I'm sorry, Tom, but I remember a time when police officers, the first thing they would do is shoot up in the air until you stop. Yeah. You recall? Oh, yeah, and they did. They haven't done that for decades. Now it's always shoot for the center exactly. mass. <laughs> it's like if you're going to shoot, exactly. kill. Shoot to kill. Exactly. That's why that's why this country is, is, is so messed up. Well, it's it's certainly one of our problems. I'll I'll give you I'll grant you that. Michael and Bronx. Michael, we got 20, 30 seconds. You got a quick one? Yes, absolutely. First off, keep your eyes and ears open. I saw I saw a feed on Twitter. It just flashed before me that a DCAG is supposed to make some kind of announcement surrounding the revelations that you were just speaking about with the January 6th. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know exactly what's going to be said, but, you know, this is some serious stuff here. And when it comes to Meadows, you know, either he is part of the um, grift, as you said, or he was threatened by Donald Trump to be loyal to me or else. Well, that's another possibility is that Mark Meadows is fearing for his life. And he's afraid that if he turns on Trump, he will end up dead. And that's, you know, I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility. Trump hangs out with, with mafia guys and gangsters from foreign countries. Thank you for the call, Michael. Well, let's see here. Donald in Walterboro, South Carolina. Hey, Donald, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. Do you actually believe that Garland is going to prosecute anybody connected to the January 6th resurrection? It and sure looks to me like he's trying to avoid that, but I don't think he will be able to avoid it ultimately. And as far as Joe Manchin, Joe Manchin is, to quote a phrase, a 
D-I-N-O, Democrat in name only. Right. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, Donald. I'm, I'm absolutely with you. Thank you very much for the, for the call and your notes on that. Scott in Los Angeles. Hey, Scott, what's on your mind today? I called to say that I, it's my opinion that the most consequential event on January 6th, besides Trump refusing to call it off, was the shooting of Ashley Babbitt. They came to spill blood, just not their own. Their mostly orderly retreat, as I recall, began after she was shot and carried out mortally wounded past them. Oh, really? Do you know what time of day she was shot? Because the National Guard wasn't mobilized until 5.08 p.m. I haven't done a timeline on it, but that's my experience of the day. Uh And that Trump's plan imploded at that point. And I think he was counting on massive bloodshed, hostages, maybe even explosions. And when they retreated, the coup failed. He ignored all the pleas to call it off because he still believed it would succeed. And he waited until it was obvious that it failed. Interesting. Um, That's... That was my experience of the day, and I, I think her death was the, the pivotal point. And uh, it might have spared us the, the worst and the, and the coup succeeding. So. Yeah, well, let me see if, uh, if I can. Um, she was admitted to the hospital. As, 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 I'm seeing all these websites that talk about her being shot, but well, there's a Wikipedia entry for it. Let's see if it says when. They carried, they carried her out past all the all the insurrectionists inside the Capitol. So I, whatever was happening outside at that point, I think what happened inside was. Oh, she was shot like, at two forty four p.m. Yeah. So she was and shot three three. She was shot actually fairly early in this because the you know like I said it wasn't until five o'clock that the National Guard was mobilized. Um, that was you know roughly the time that the the crowd started dispersing. So I, I would like to believe that you're, that you're right, Scott, that, that uh, her, her being killed was the thing that caused people to go, whoa, maybe we don't want to do this. But it looks to me like it went on for at least a couple hours after she was shot. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I'll have to look at it myself. It's a good Can theory, I Scott. <laughs> you know, I like, I, but, you know, again, you know, real life isn't the movies. And, and uh, the, this, the, mobs are weird things. I mean, when people are in a mob... They don't behave and they don't think the way that normal humans do. We, it's, it's almost like we go into a swarm mode, you know, like, like grasshoppers turning into locusts. And in swarm mode, we, we, we have this hive mind, you know, we're like wasps. If you, if you whack a wasp nest, you know, they'll, they'll normally just fly around and ignore you, but suddenly they want to get you. And, and I, I think that mob thing is buried deep in our DNA, you know, all the way back to, you know, an insect history, perhaps. But it's there. Scott, I got to run. But thanks for the call. And keep thinking. Uh, that was a good one. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. By the way, one other news piece, then I'll pick up your phone calls. A federal court, uh, this happened on, on Friday. I somehow, I missed this. I caught it uh, just during the break. It's uh, over at the Washington Post. It was published by uh, Jennifer Rubin at 745 this morning that uh, U.S. Uh, District Judge Dabney Frederick uh, ruled that any effort to stop the counting of the electoral votes is a crime. Now, weirdly, some of the January 6th insurrectionists, these, these, these traitors who were trying to overthrow our government, some of them have been claiming you can't charge us with the crime of disrupting Congress because it's a ceremonial event counting the ballots. It's not a legal event. It's not part of the official duties of Congress. And this judge just made mincemeat out of that and said it's absolutely an official proceeding. And by the way, because of the way that she, I mean, she wrote this in just extensive And as Jennifer Rubin notes, it's a blockbuster. If President Donald Trump and his cronies sought to stop the House proceedings, for example, by extorting 
Georgia Secretary of State Raffsenperger are pressuring the Justice Department to delay the election or declare it fraudulent, then they're guilty of this too. Criminal proceedings on their way. Good stuff. Okay, picking up your phone calls. Randy in Ottawa, Iowa. Hey, Randy, what's on your mind today? Hey, season greetings, Tom, to you and all of yours. Back at you, Randy. Um, nice to hear from you. It's been a while. First off, with the immunity for this seditious conspiracy that looks like it's evolving into treason, that if somebody takes immunity for that and it is proven that it is was a seditious conspiracy and treason involved, that they should not they should have to renounce their citizenship as part of the immunity deal or at some time after the proceeding. Wow. And uh, you don't you don't mess around. <laughs> well, well, you, if somebody if somebody tries to destroy your government, you don't allow them to live on your soil. That makes sense. That's my opinion. Yeah. Randy, thank you. Dan in Altoona, Pennsylvania. Hey, Dan, what's on your mind? So two quick points. The first point was that I think that Donald Trump Jr., Laura Ingram, Sean Handy, all those guys are trying to cover their butts. Oh, yeah. So whenever they are found out that they were talking to Trump, they're like, oh, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't me in case they were getting arrested. But they didn't foresee that Merrick Garland wouldn't do anything. So I think they're kind of, you know, doubling down on their sedition, <laughs> you know, since Although then. this may work and, to their advantage, Dan, although uh, yeah. one of the members of Congress this morning noted that Fox News has not on the air even once acknowledged that their primetime hosts were communicating with Donald Trump trying to get him to stop the attack on the Capitol. But uh, I I would say that the fact that these people had that kind of access to the president actually increases their their, uh, perceived uh, potency, I guess. You know, I'm I'm lacking a word here. Uh, You know, their perceived status in the minds of Fox News viewers. Yep. And I also wanted to talk about how there was, a, I think it was an article in the Washington Post the other day talking about like um, they're taking, they took one of Trump's tweets and it, it was pretty much calling out Antifa saying, you know, the terrorist organization known as Antifa better stay away from Washington, D.C. Right. because blah, blah, blah. And uh, they were talking about how he was goading Antifa into showing up. Yep. On January 6th, the counter So he could declare a national emergency. Exactly. Yep, yeah. and they could kill all of them. <laughs> you yeah. know, they, they protect Trumpies and then they kill all the Antifa guys that are trying to protect the, you know, the United States. I'm with but, you. But, uh, yeah, I think that's a huge thing that the mainstream media isn't really talking about at all, that, you know, these people that would be, you know, on the right side of history, like Antifa, would be, you know, you know, corralled and killed by Trump and his goons. Yeah, no, you know? I, I think you've nailed it, Dan. I, I think you absolutely have. Thank you very much for that. And thanks for listening to Series 6. I'm Ed in San Antonio, Texas. Hey, Ed, thanks for watching us on YouTube. What's up? I'd like to talk to you about the idea of immunity. The problem with that is that the 6th of January committee has no prosecutorial authority. Therefore, even if they grant immunity to some to a person, they would still have to go to the Justice Department to get enforcement. Right. So everything that they do is related to the Justice Department for any accountability. Well, that's interesting, Ed. I hadn't considered that, but I'm. I, I think There's you're absolutely right. Types, uh, so you think they're negotiating sure. immunity with the Justice Department, or do you think that it's just unlikely no. that immunity will even be an issue? Well, there's two types of immunity. There's transactional, which means uh, what you were talking about, total immunity. Right. And there's testimonial immunity, which they can give for the testimony only. But that is real complicated and get real messy at a trial and would drag everything down. Well, I have a vague recollection I, of H.R. Haldeman. Um, or was it John Mitchell? One of those guys in the Nixon administration was offered immunity and, uh, and, as I recall, turned it down and ended up going to prison. Haldeman was Nixon's chief of staff. He was Nixon's Mark Meadows. He did go to prison. Yeah, but that is because the Justice Department back then prosecuted. Right. We're with a, let me compare something. The January 6th Commission has been doing a wonderful job, and they have shown us all types of information that proves the guilt of Trump and his cronies. The Justice Department has more people to work with. They have the FBI. They have 
unknown number of attorneys, all that could be doing this but are not. My solution is, and I'm asking you to do it, is to get on the horn and start calling for special prosecutors. Garland isn't doing anything, and he won't do anything. We need a special prosecutor. I would even advocate for Schiff to be the special prosecutor. Are you familiar we with, with the does. status of that law, Ed? I know it's gone through multiple iterations since Archibald Cox. Uh, he, uh, Cox no. operated under a different statute than Ken Starr did. And, and I think both those statutes have been replaced by something more contemporary, have they not? I don't know. I don't do the federal law. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying that... It would be interesting to get someone in there that is actually going to prosecute. Yeah. And uh, well, there is the guy right that, now, that is looking into the origins of the Russia investigation. You know, there's still we still have a leftover Trumpy in the Justice Department who is prosecuting people for trying to out Trump's association with Russia. Yeah, I know. Uh, so, so why don't we have a parallel is, to him on January sixth? That's what I would love is that we have a special prosecutor that could prosecute because people are wanting accountability, not just a um, show like we had for the impeachment. We're doing the same with the Sixth Committee, but we're going to end up as the same. We've shown crimes, but we have no accountability. Accountability only comes from the Justice Department. I think they should be going after Bill Barr, too. And thanks a lot for the call. I, you know, the former head of the Justice Department. Dan in Midland, Michigan. Hey, Dan, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. So there's an account of how the National Guard was called in to defend the Capitol on January 6th that I'd like you to comment on. I'm A listening. few days after January 6th, Michael Moore had his podcast and he had Representative Dan Kildee and according to, uh, they, they cover, covered a number of things. But one thing that was really fascinating that I thought was how the National Guard got called. According to Moore, a different Michigan representative, Alyssa Slotkin, who had worked as a CIA analyst and also worked in the Defense Department, she knew General Milley, and she called him during the siege. And she said, we need help. And Millie, according to Moore's account, immediately got Mike Pence on the phone. Interesting that he went straight to Pence Mm -hmm. and not for the commander-in-chief. Went to Pence and said, you need to authorize the National Guard. And Pence did, according to Moore's account. And, of course, this contradicts what Trump said the next day, where he claimed that he called out the National Guard immediately. So I'd like your take and your understanding of... I guess I've heard different accounts. What I don't do know the, I, the National Guard got called out. Yeah, I don't know, Dan. I mean, that's that's one of those very granular details that uh, I have I have not uh, drilled down at that level. But you raise a really interesting question. I will keep my eyes open and I'll see what I can learn about it. I, I'm sorry I don't have a, an easy answer for you or a quick answer. Although I will say, uh, I trust Michael Moore. And if if he's saying that, and if Representative Dan Kildee is saying that, in all probability, that's that's the truth. Uh, Dan, I got to move along, but thank you for the call. <coughs> Steve in uh, Muchayas, Washington. Hey, Steve, what's up? Yeah, I wanted to talk about the immunity thing. Yeah. Remember, remember Oliver North and all and his. Oh yeah, they gave they gave Ollie North immunity. Now was that the DOJ or was that Congress? Right, and he got off. He got convicted in a trial over his crimes, and then the Supreme Court threw it out. That's right, and because he had been given immunity. He ran for Senate and was saying, no, he wasn't a convicted uh, felon. Or he wasn't convicted. Right. But, yeah. Well, yeah, although he had been. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Steve, thank you. Thank you for the, uh, for the trip back into the past, though. That was a good one. Scott in Minneapolis. Hey, Scott, what's up? So, yeah, so... The January 6th insurrection, um, I think, was a very clear end of the progression of the Trump presidency, where you have a series of Russian dolls that 
you keep pulling them apart and you keep finding, you know, different Trump officials connected to the Russians. And then now we're, we're you know, at January 6th and, and trying to overthrow the government of the United States. Yeah. It is and horrible on the face of it. Yeah. And we if and if Trump really was a Russian agent through that time, where would where would we be now? I yeah, mean, you know, so would, would, would we be just like, you know, hey, uh, you know, let's let's just uh, change everything. Let's change our laws. Let's become an autocratic state. No, I, I get so it. Um, my question is, who's puppeting Trump? Is it Putin? Well, I think that's fairly obvious, whether whether it's, uh, you know, Putin pulling the strings or whether it's just that Donald Trump has done so much business with Russian organized crime figures and Russian oligarchs over the years that he's tied into that, shall we say, web or that network or whatever. Uh, you know, I mean, they, they, they owned a good chunk of Trump Tower. You know, it's, it's like, uh, so I don't know the answer to the question, but I'm hoping that Congress figures it out. And that's just, I mean, that's not even being discussed right now, which is amazing. So thanks so much for being with us today. Don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires you. So get out there, get active. There's so many great organizations, not to mention the Democratic Party itself. Get out there, get active, tag your it. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great afternoon. Be good to yourself and people around you. With Omicron out there, be careful and get your booster if you're over 16. And I'm guessing you are. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.